tips. I appreciate you uh, taking some time today. What um, just wanted to do a ask you a couple of quick questions, but first, want to know how's your family and you holding out through all this? <laughs> Thanks, John. We are we are remarkably fortunate. Uh, kids are all healthy, happy, occupied, somewhat constructively. Got space out in Northern Virginia where they're running around. Uh, work-wise, things are things are stable, and we're, we're busy trying to adjust to uh, to the current environment like everyone else. But uh, obviously, a lot of pain going around economically and health-wise for others. So, but thanks thanks for asking. Right? No, I know it's it's an incredibly uh, bizarre time to say this is un, unprecedented is uh, not fair to the word unprecedented. <laughs> Obviously, no, nobody saw this coming um, in, in terms of the impact on everybody. So um, I'm glad to hear that. Um, so here's what I wanted to do today. Um, you and I have been involved uh, on some different um, discussion message boards over time of financial intelligence folks that go back and forth. And a lot of times the postings are very, are almost always very interesting, but it's the the debate is, is not that simple to do all the time. If you're sort of just doing it, posting on discussion boards. And I saw something last week that clearly made me think of you and and I'll, I'll set this up this way. Um, in in uh, fairly recently, the U.S. evaluations, the mutual evaluations under the FATF, uh, were upgraded in a couple of areas, and I wanted to ask you about that. And then uh, there was has been some stories in the I'd say in the trade press, in the AML trade press about that. And what struck me was the postings that I saw last week and early this week were. Uh, in, in my opinion, extremely negative toward the FATF process, suggesting a, among a couple of things that the U.S. has gotten off easy, that they control FATF, that they're, uh, they'll never be on a blacklist, so there's no incentive for them to be compliant. All those generalizations that I think demand a, a specific response. Um, and there's nobody better, in my view, to talk about this than Chip Ponzi, given your uh, lengthy background, specifically as the leader for the U.S. for FATF, but also you're you're still connected, you're still involved. So a couple of things I want to do in this uh, short time that we have. One is describe, if you can, um, how unusual or unique or how often are um, – changes made to the evaluation, number one. So it's just from a process standpoint. And then if you could give us uh, a thumbnail sketch of what the uh, changes were to the U.S. evaluation last week, and then I'll have a couple of follow-up questions. Sure. Thanks, John. And, and can't thank you enough for inviting me to participate and respond to to uh, to the, the commentary that you've seen. And I've seen some as well. And um, I will say, you know, that there's a bit of a, of a, uh, two sides to this, right? On the one hand, um, I, I'm I am such a huge FATA fan and and a FATA nerd. I would say uh, that I'm I'm just thrilled that people are taking more and more note of FATA. I think it's more important than ever. I think the mission of combating financial crime, money laundering, terrorist financing, illicit finance is more important than ever. So I'm I'm glad that that uh, when there are developments like. Uh, the upgrade to the U.S. rating, the rating of the United States on on uh, customer due diligence, that there there is um, traffic because people are, are are following it. That's a great sign. Right. On the other hand, uh, you and I have talked about this over the years. Um, FATF has not done 
a, a great job of explaining what it does to the outside world um, at the level of detail that's probably required now. That's that's not a FATF problem. That's a that's a, a financial crime, uh, uh, financial integrity, and and collective security problem. And and uh, as I said to you, I probably bear as much responsibility as anyone, having been around it for a long time, and 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 probably not doing enough to explain um, how, how FATF works and what it does and, and what it doesn't do. And and obviously in, in that context. Um, uh, there are there are limitations to what FATF can do. Um, there are limitations to what FATF attempts to do, and with what FATF attempts to do, there are imperfections in that, as as in every process. So, um, more 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 than um, ample room to to recommend or or, or constructively criticize um, what FATF uh, may not be doing and what they are doing, how they can do it better. Uh, I, th- I think that's always fair, um, but but I do think it has to be put into a context of understanding. Um, these reports and, and these upgrades and these these mutual evaluations, all of which are just one part of the process that the FATF engages in. So, so thanks for the invitation, and and I'm happy to uh, to to engage. Um, John, I don't know how you want to structure this. Maybe maybe yeah, let me yeah. So ahead, I'm sorry. So yeah, no, no, that's okay. So that's that's useful to know about the process. But the specifics are an upgrade, as you mentioned, to uh, customer due diligence. And some of the comments that we both saw based on that movement of um, to largely compliant, which is obvious because of the CDD rule, it's now, it's in law, it's now regs, uh, there's, they're being examined. So all that is, ha- is going on, as we know. We also both know that uh, Congress is looking at making additional changes to the concept of beneficial ownership reporting. So we know that there's some work to be done that's not related to CDD, and that's what the states have to do. So rather than go down that lane that could take us a bit, the negative <laughs> comments that I've seen are, okay, uh, it's it's accurate to go to largely compliant, but what about areas uh, in which there are still deficiencies in the U.S., lawyers, accountants, company formation agents, all that sort of thing? Now, it may be that we're mixing items. So maybe that's not the debate to have, but based on what you saw, what are people missing both from the movement of the rating? And you could talk, you could, you can talk about the, the rating improvement, obviously, to the fact that there are still in a lot of people's minds, gaps in the overall infrastructure, like I said, designated non-financial businesses, professionals, and that sort of thing. Sure, thanks, John. So I'll I'll start narrow and then I'll expand it. How about that? So, on the immediate issue of the U.S. getting upgraded on the rating of Recommendation Ten, which is customer due diligence um, uh, by financial institutions, um, that in in my view is 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 a pretty straightforward, non-controversial. Um, recognition of the U.S. Uh, uh, CDD rule and, um, in particular, the beneficial ownership identification and verification requirements in that rule, uh, which are which are spelled out in black and white. And financial institutions have been implementing those, obviously, since it went live in May 2018. Um, on the basis of, of that regulation, um, th- the upgrade is is. Uh, is is not only um, justified if it weren't upgraded on that basis, it would be surprising, um, given my experience in FATF and and comp, comp comparisons to other um, jurisdictions. That said, it's important to note it's not upgraded to fully compliant or compliant because there are still um, 
important uh, steps that have to be taken with respect to technical compliance of customer due diligence just for financial institutions. And and, and the FATF uh, report uh, addresses that and, and talks about how um, those requirements from the CD rule um, do not cover um, all uh, covered financial institutions under the FATF standards. And that would include functions like investment advisors in the United States, um, insurance companies, um, and uh, money service businesses where they're engaging in occasional transactions below a $3,000 threshold. You know, the, these sorts of technical areas that are important um, are, are, the reason, are the reasons why um, that upgrade is only to a largely compliant. But um, I think even, even the harshest critics of the U.S. system would would have to concede that the CD rule substantially moves the needle on clarifying, right. strengthening um, customer due diligence obligations for banks, for broker dealers, for futures commission merchants, for mutual funds. Uh, you know, the overwhelming traffic in the U.S. financial system um, is now responsive to that rule, which is which is um, largely compliant with global standards. So, for that reason, that upgrade makes a lot of sense. That's the narrowest way to to, to sort of start a discussion on on the report. But there's a second level that you've alluded to, which is there are other deficiencies that are significant in the USAML CFT regime that um, were were uh, reflected in the U.S. mutual valuation in December 2016, which is the, the evaluation um, that is the subject of the follow-up report that right. upgraded the U.S. this past year. And those other deficiencies were recognized in, in the follow-up uh, uh, process and the follow-up report. And they primarily uh, encompass two sets of challenges that the U.S. has been struggling to address for for for, for, for decades. Um, one is with respect to um, gatekeepers and so-called designated um, uh, businesses and professions, non-financial businesses and professions in the FATF world, that's DNFBPs. And um, in the U.S. in particular, that, that includes attorneys and trusting companies, service providers, um, accountants that are um, operating financial services or conducting transactions on behalf of their clients. That's, that, that has always been a challenge in the U.S. And, and, and in the U.S. has never contested that that is a challenge. It is. Um, and, and those deficiencies are apparent in a number of the FATF recommendations, um, whether it's with respect to um, AML program-like requirements to those sectors or whether it's with respect to CDD for those sectors or whether it's with respect to supervision of those sectors. Those are all areas where the U.S. has struggled and continues to struggle, and the ratings reflect that, and the follow-up report um, cites that. There is a second area of chronic concern, which has been what you've alluded to on beneficial ownership with respect to um, legal persons, arrangements, and trusts. And that really gets to the company formation processes in the U.S. As you say, are, you know, those are state-driven. There's been lots of, of traffic over decades, again, on the Hill about legislation that would be required to address that vulnerability. And, and, and the U.S. Congress has at times come close to um, prioritizing this, but has never has never um, has never finished the job. So that's something that the U.S. again has to do moving forward um, to uh, to to do better in its mutual evaluation. And, and the follow up report from FATF recognizes that. Um, the last level, John, it's worth it's really worth underscoring this is that um, notwithstanding standing those those deficiencies, which are significant, and because of those deficiencies, the U.S. has been in, in an enhanced follow up process at FATF. And the U.S. has accepted that follow-up process to continue working on those issues. Notwithstanding that, um, and I know this sounds perhaps um, uh, a bit of advocacy for my old job, but it, I, I'm very hard-pressed to, to identify um, other jurisdictions whose AML-CFT regimes 
um, are, are, are really any better than the U.S. They can be different um, and they're stronger in different areas. But at the end of the day, the, the U.S. has led historically by example and continues to do so um, even with respect to preventive measures when we look at issues like enforcement, implementation, effectiveness, and the like. Um, all that said, um, the U.S. does not own FATF. It does not control FATF. FATF is a consensus body by 38 members and encompasses the political and financial centers around the world that politically and other fora can't necessarily agree on uh, a definition of money laundering, um, let alone an assessment of technical compliance in any major financial center. So the FATF has done remarkably good work in being able to maintain consensus across politically very divisive um, communities, even in difficult times such as these, in order to keep the AML CFT community moving forward. And U.S. leadership's been a big part of that, but it certainly does not control the organization. Um, and and it, it requires uh, U.S. leadership together with, with others across the FATF to, to continue to be progressive. Yeah, you, you know what uh, struck me by the postings? I agree with everything, everything you just outlined. Obviously, um, nobody comes close to the U.S. in our infrastructure. Our infrastructure is not perfect by any stretch, and we both have talked about and testified about the need to reform uh, the AML uh, community structure for that reason, because there's been 30 years of laws upon laws upon laws without any changes. So that that makes sense. But to suggest that some have that the uh, private sector has it easy under this regime is frankly just silly. It's not true. Uh, are there issues, enforcement actions? Absolutely. Are there institutions that don't that, that, that get hammered, uh, I would argue, correctly by regulators, sure. But I think the notion somehow that context is everything, right? So FATF comprises all these different jurisdictions and uh, governance structures, what have you. To, and even though we have gaps here, um, it's a pretty strong system, one that needs improvement, but a strong system. So I thought that was pretty ridiculous. Now, a few of the posters did correctly say that some of this lies at uh, Congress's feet. And, and I would agree with that. I think the real estate industry, in my view, has gotten off fairly easy. Um, a number of other uh, industries that have financial footprints don't have similar or, or even close to similar obligations to any sort of financial institution. The gatekeeper thing we've already talked about. But to not understand the breadth of AML and simply you know, take this update uh, and upgrade to the last evaluation and use it as an opportunity to say everything is broken is not only incorrect, it doesn't, doesn't help anything. It doesn't move the debate to where I think it needs to be and I think you think it needs to be. And that is, let's try to fix things that we can fix. Let's add when we think it's appropriate uh, and and make some adjustments so that at the end of the day, we have a not just a robust AML infrastructure, but one that goes to what I think the key is. And that, and I think, and I add what you said, you said protect the financial sector and get information in the hands, good information in the hands of law enforcement as quickly as possible. So unless you're looking at it that way, I don't know how helpful it is, is to say, you know, we've moved something because of CDD, but we got all these other problems. You, you, you got to uh, sort of step back and say, these things don't happen overnight. And this, I think, is a perfect example of that. Completely agree, John. And I, I would say that um, 
for, for those that are frustrated and, and, and every day I'm, I'm both excited and, and, uh, and, and sort of a, a cheerleading, you know, the U S um, AML safety resist, uh, system and, and the FATF, uh, sort of global enterprise and process. And at the same time, I'm its biggest critic, I'm sure. So, so I, I play schizophrenia on this one all the time. And I would just say to those who, who are frustrated that the U S is not addressing the vulnerabilities that are, that are clear and have been there for, for a long time on, on DNFPPs and company formation. Um, I'm right there with you. And, and that that frustration um, in the context that you and I are, are providing here um, can be constructively addressed with with the right kind of advocacy and, and political pressure. And, and in that sense, and you've heard me say this on on the on the circuit now for for ten years, um, financial institutions historically did not support company information reform efforts, not in any visible political way whatsoever. Um, I, I know that because I've been in front of Senate Banking and House Financial Services for for you know fifteen years on these issues, and um, the, the the financial institutions were never. Um, out there in any visible way supporting company formation reform. You, people can draw their own conclusions as to why, but, but they weren't. And, 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 um, and the opportunity now for, for those institutions that are covered by CDD so, um, so explicitly by the new CD rule to get help, which I do think that company formation reform will help financial institutions, maybe not in the way that that banks think that it will, because it's not going to provide a verification that would meet um, the requirements of the rule. That verification already can be met um, absent uh, specific indicators of, of risk or suspicion by relying on your customer. But it, it does mean that if you have companies that are used to and and have to disclose beneficial ownership for purposes of just getting a legal entity, when they get to the bank, it's not it's not going to be this um, this this education campaign and cultural um, lift that the banks have to have to educate their customers with, which as you and I know has been a you know is always a challenge whenever you introduce new regulation and particularly put it right. through the banks. It, it beyond the costs of the systems controls and policies and procedures, it's just the customer engagement and trying to explain and educate a massive customer base that this is the new normal. And no, you can't walk across the street and get a different answer because we're all we're all doing this. Um, you know right. that's so much easier when that education process starts from 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 the inception of a company formation process and you know that that's important in addition to and beyond you know all of the benefits to law enforcement that we've talked about over the years um, for us companies that go offshore and open accounts and cd processes here aren't going to capture that and and and, and other you know elements as to why company formation is so important. So um, it's a long way of saying there there are ways for those that have been frustrated to be supported and and to help move the needle. The same is true with respect to regulation. Um, I can tell you that you know on CDD where it doesn't cover um, gatekeepers uh, that are already subject to the BSA. Um, so if, if if we were to take a look at um, DNFPPs like casinos or dealers in precious metals and stones. Right. Uh, you know, these are they don't have specific CD obligations the way that mutual funds or BDs or FCMs or banks do. And they probably should um, because those right. are customers of the banks. Right. And so when 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 those intermediaries effectively are not identifying and verifying the identity of their customers and beneficial ownership, then the banks are the ones that ultimately are, are left holding the bag, trying to understand and manage those risks. And, you know, we've seen everything from the one MDB five billion dollar heist 
you know, moving on billions of dollars uh, through the U.S. financial system, through banks um, that were introduced through through gateway accounts. Um, and that's all publicly reported now. Um, but we have escrow accounts and the like. And, and, and banks are the ones that have to that are now processing that risk without getting help from a customer base where that customer base, if they are operating as financial intermediaries, should have those obligations, whether attorneys or real estate, real estate companies, et cetera. So, so, you know, these are areas where, again, banks and other covered financial institutions can, can lobby, can, can, can support additional regulation that has the benefit of assisting banks with risk management by spreading that obligation across other players in the financial system that ultimately will intermediate through those same banks. So right. that's a way forward in my, yeah. in my view. Yeah. So you, we would both agree that, yes, it's CDD is not applicable, unfortunately, to have MSBs and casinos and others, and it should be. But that doesn't mean that the update or the upgrade was inappropriate. You can argue it didn't go far enough, but that's a different argument. So I know that um, through your firm, you're doing some uh, research work in uh, in the in uh, the FATF uh, related space. So I want to give you a chance to to mention that before we. Uh, close John, this thanks so much. And I'm I'm so terrible at this, but um, thank you that, because I do think taking a big step back. Um, where, where I started, uh, that more needs to be done to really explain how FATF, how FATF works and how um, the AMLCFT community of practitioners and professionals, policymakers, um, can take advantage of, of a lot of great information that the FATF produces and the processes that they, that they manage. Um, our, our firm is going to be doing more to, um, to explain um, these sorts of uh, uh, decisions and and um, uh, publications by the FATF. Um, so stay tuned. We're hoping to have a panel series where we can um, take those that are engaged in the FATF process and and have them explain this in the way that you've just done with me, which I greatly appreciate so that there's more of a, a continuum around this. And um, obviously encourage you to do the same. It's always a pleasure to uh, to work with you on, on any of these issues, John. So thanks tons for having me. So, and Chip, as we close, we'll say we do appreciate the fact, as you said, that people were commenting on this. I think uh, our view was uh, comment on on it in a more contextual sense. Uh, The comments that things don't go far enough are fair, uh, but understanding the the breadth of uh, the evaluation process and how the U.S. fits into this uh, is is more than nuanced. And so uh, hopefully – We've given folks an opportunity to hear more about this. I would recommend they actually read the report and, um, you know, follow up uh, with whatever panels that you guys are putting together and other folks are putting together. And it's a good opportunity to better understand the the FATF process and not simply write it off as something owned by the U.S. and driven by the U.S. when it's uh, clearly uh, an issue that is – been around with us uh, 30 plus years and has a lot of benefits, a lot of issues that things can be done better, but then everything in life can be done better, right? (laughs) Absolutely. All right, Chip, thanks. Be safe. Thanks, John. Thanks so much. And thanks to everyone for listening.